partners and from the Collins Center for the Arts, presenting a concert with 20-time Grammy winner Pat Metheny, as well as Antonio Sanchez, Linda O, oh, and Gwillem Simcock, Sunday, January 15th at 7 p.m., CollinsCenterForTheArts.com. The time's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Common Ground Radio with your host CJ Walk is up next. Good morning and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and organic agriculture here in the state of Maine brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is CJ Walk, and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. right here on WERU. Today, we are talking with members of the Maine Legal Food Hub, a project of the Conservation Law Foundation. The Conservation Law Foundation is a New England-based environmental advocacy organization which launched, launched the hub in 2014 with activities in Massachusetts, and in the spring of 2015, the hub began activities here in Maine. The Legal Food Hub maintains an extensive network of experienced attorneys who volunteer their time to assist eligible farmers and food entrepreneurs with legal issues around their businesses. These issues range from business contracts to intellectual property to real estate transactions. Over the past year, the Maine Legal Food Hub has served over 50 Maine farmers with free legal services. The hub also offers numerous workshops, events, and trainings throughout the year. So I have a couple guests on the show with me today and would like to take a few minutes to introduce each of them. Beth Bepley is an attorney with the law firm BCM Environmental and Land Law, practicing in the Portland office. She is also an instructor and lecturer on food systems and legal issues, most recently completing a course for Vermont Law School students pursuing special coursework in food and farm and food issues. In addition to traditional land use law, Beth focuses on business entity formation, especially for farm and food businesses. She also works in real estate and permitting and licensing, a routine part of a farm and food practice. And thank you for being here today, Beth. Thank you, CJ, for having me. Happy to be here. Okay. And then also on the phone, we have Phelps Turner. And Phelps is a full-time attorney with the Portland Office of the Conservation Law Foundation. And he serves as coordinator for the Conservation Law Foundation's Legal Food Hub. And thank you for joining us here today, Phelps. Good morning, CJ. Thanks for having me on the show. Sure. Oh. I'd like to remind listeners that this is a call-in show, and we'll open up the phone lines about halfway through, uh, halfway through the show, at which time I will give out the call-in number uh, for any comments or questions. But first, I'd like to get back to our guests um, and give them an opportunity just to speak a little bit more about the work they do as more of an introduction. So I think, Phelps, could we start with you, if you could just speak a little bit more about the work that you do with the main legal food hub? Sure. Uh, th thanks for the introduction, CJ. Um, um, the Legal Food Hub uh, right now operates in Maine, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. As you mentioned, I'm the, the coordinator for the Legal Food Hub here in Maine. And um, we also plan to um, be expanding to other states uh, in, the, in the near future. 
Um, but in the meantime, um, I am the coordinator here in Maine. And as you said, we've placed um, dozens of cases um, here in Maine and provided free legal assistance um, to farmers and food entrepreneurs valued over $100,000 uh, so far. And um, we, our, our mission here at the, at the Legal Food Hub is twofold, and you touched on both of these a bit. Um, the first and foremost is pro bono or free legal assistance to income-eligible farmers and food entrepreneurs. And the second is legal education workshops, trainings, and other events. And we provide these to both uh, farmers and food entrepreneurs, but also to attorneys, um, the, the experienced attorneys who volunteer their time for our program. And some of the cases um, that we place, as you mentioned, relate to uh, business issues like entity formation. Um, and I'm happy to um, explore some of these these cases in more detail as, as the show unfolds. Um, but we also cover things like regulatory issues, uh, labor and employment, uh, intellectual property, uh, also real estate issues like um, succession of, of farms and um, conservation easements and things of that nature. Um, so that's a little bit more detail on, on the program that, uh, that we provide here. Okay, that's great. Thank you, Phillips. And we'll definitely get into some more details uh, around some of those services. Um, so then I wanted to come back around to Beth and ask you to speak a little bit more about the work that you do. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm, a, uh, I'm an attorney in private practice with a law firm that's actually based in Concord, New Hampshire. BCM Environmental and Land Law, and our focus, as the name implies, is all about environmental law and land use law. And I came to, but my involvement here today and my involvement with the uh, Legal Food Hub comes as one of the first volunteers in Maine, one of the first volunteer lawyers okay. in Maine in the program. And uh, I found that it was a great fit between my private practice and my desire and need as an attorney to do to, to provide pro bono legal services. Um, so when, <clears throat> excuse me, when when uh, I first heard about uh, CLF launching this in Maine, it was very very attractive to me because it fits so nicely with my with my practice and yeah. the practice I was I was building in Maine. I also practice in New Hampshire and in Vermont okay. where. This kind of law is also very much part of the landscape, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's been very rewarding for me to be involved with uh, the Legal Food Hub from its inception in Maine, mm -hmm. and it's it's very exciting to see as it, see it growing and seeing it see it being used um, and utilized by farmers and food producers um, statewide. Okay, great. Well, thank you both for being here uh, on the show with me today. Um, and I think in terms of starting out with maybe some background pieces, um, Phelps, I would ask you to maybe speak a little bit around the background of the Legal Food Hub, kind of just the history of its formation. Sure. Um, um, CLF um, has a history of um, advocacy in, in all sorts of environmental issues. Um, and um, a few years ago, uh, a need that, that kept cropping up was um, uh, legal assistance for farmers, food entrepreneurs, and other food-related organizations. Uh, so uh, CLF, um, initially out of the Boston office, started researching uh, what kind of programming was out there and what kind of programming could be provided. 
and saw um, this great need and, and, a, and, a, and a niche um, in this area for, for us to be involved with helping to be a, a matchmaker to, to, to match um, attorneys like Beth who are willing to provide their, their time on a pro bono basis to, to help farmers and food entrepreneurs who typically can't afford um, legal assistance. And so uh, the program was, was piloted and launched um, out of Massachusetts and then very shortly thereafter, as you mentioned, in Maine, and then just um, in 2016 down in Rhode Island. And uh, it became clear uh, from its inception that the, that the program um, had tapped into that need and, and was helping to, to, to fill that gap uh, in, in terms of legal legal services to, to farmers and food entrepreneurs who, who really needed it. And so even though we had uh, CLF, um, who, uh, which just celebrated its 50th anniversary, in fact, had not traditionally been involved in the, the farm and food sphere, um, uh, once we heard about this need, we were, we, we were happy and excited to jump in and, and to provide um, this uh, service. And just, I'm going to just jump in there um, to elaborate on that just a little bit more, uh, Phelps, if you don't mind. Um, of course. And that is, I, I realize we keep saying CLF, that's the Conservation Law Foundation, uh, which has been in existence. It just had its, help me out here, Phelps. 50. 50th, yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anniversary celebration. And it has, it's probably better known, Conservation Law Foundation is probably better known for its work with uh, clean water and mm-hmm. clean air. Um, and when CLF uh, decided to take this plunge into the food, legal food uh, services area, uh, it was really a, a welcome um, entry. And I think it also highlights the fact that Conservation Law Foundation has um, – it, it furthers a lot of the goals of Conservation Law Foundation mm-hmm. and, and brings in a lot more of the land aspect. But it also combines you know, air and water too when you think yeah. about impacts on, on farming. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Um, and I'm curious, kind of, uh, Phelps, you had mentioned that there was some research done out of the Boston office. And I was just curious maybe what the, what it was that people saw that really recognized or identified the need that were that was out there. Was it a matter of farmers and food entrepreneurs coming to you for assistance with little to no resources to support that? Or what helped kind of identify uh, that need, which definitely you know, it exists for sure. Well, it, it, it was a little bit of that. Um, as, as Beth and I have both said, this is not an, an area that traditionally in its first 48 or so years that the Conservation Law Foundation was involved in, but as a part of the environmental advocacy community generally, it is something that we are hearing about. And we, you know, not only were we being approached about it, but we were just hearing about it through our, our partners and, and other folks um working in the in the area of environmental advocacy and we identified it as a place that we could bring our resources to bear and on our experience to bear on on this and in terms of securing uh, funding for the program and also just because of our long history in the environmental communities in in the New England states not just in Massachusetts, but but throughout New England, uh, that we could bring a lot of resources, uh, financial and, and and otherwise, to to bear on on this project. 
And I think it also, jumping in again, I think it also was a natural fit for CLF because in my experience doing land use law in the three states that I practice in, conservation law foundations are often involved in um, major cases uh, and, and takes a very tends to take a leadership role. So it was very appropriate for, I think, for, for CLF to move in this direction and act as the um, uh, clearinghouse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it uh, not only for the, providing the legal services to directly to the farmer or the food producer, but also as an education vehicle. Mm-hmm. And which gets us to what we're one of the things we wanted to make sure we talk about today, which is the Maine Agricultural Trades Show, which is coming up next week. Yes, and um, workshops that we're going to be doing next week. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. And I'll just jump in um, on that note, Beth. Yes. And and you know certainly Conservation Law Foundation has never been um, shy to to jump into new areas that present themselves, and um, traditionally um, it's been known as. Um, more as in, 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 in other areas of environmental law, like clean, clean air and clean water, and in fact, just last year, um, ended up suing uh, Exxon Mobil for for uh, pollution in the Mystic River down down in Massachusetts. So, so certainly it was, it was a natural um, area for us, and we had we didn't hesitate to, to jump in where we saw a need. Yeah, and and I imagine that agriculture and farming intersects all of those clean air, uh, clean water, and land use. Uh, areas for sure. Um, Okay, well, one thing I wanted to ask about in reading through your materials and through through your website, which I'll let listeners just know now that uh, there is a website, which is www.legalfoodhub.org, where a lot of these resources can be found, and we'll give that out again towards the end of the show. But um, in some of my research towards uh, preparation for the show today, Looking through the website, there is an eligibility process for uh, the farmers and um, food entrepreneurs to, I guess, qualify for the services. So I wanted uh, Phelps to ask you if you could explain that eligibility uh, a bit, please. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, broadly speaking, there, there, are, there are three uh, criteria um, that, that I'll identify and I'll just say, um, as, a, as an introductory statement, that typically um, the farmers and food entrepreneurs that, uh, that approach us for legal assistance uh, satisfy these criteria and are, and are eligible for, for the free legal assistance. The first one is uh, that the, f- the farm or food enterprise's annual net income uh, cannot exceed $30,000. Uh, and second, the farmer or food entrepreneur's annual household income must not be more than 400% of the federal poverty limit. And finally, the farmer food enterprise must have a gross revenue of at least $5,000, or they have started operating within the last three years. So those are the, the three uh, criteria. Okay. And you said the majority of folks fit those yeah, criteria yeah. pretty easily. The, 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 the majority um, of folks meet, satisfy these criteria and, and are... Uh, are eligible for the free legal assistance. Right. And one of the things that I think it's fair to say is that the <clears throat> one of the purposes of, of the Food Hub is to help launch, um, help 
help beginning farmers, help um, food entrepreneurs get started. So people who have been established for 10 years, you know, if they, they've either made it, made it or they haven't. Mm-hmm. And hopefully 10 years in, they've already encountered whatever the legal issues are that they should be should have encountered and addressed them. Yeah. If they're continuing for 10 years in business, then, then they've probably done it right. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. And I just wanted to take a minute to step back and remind listeners that uh, you are listening to Common Ground Radio. And today we are talking uh, with members of the Maine Legal Food Hub about the services that uh, their organization provides for farmers and food entrepreneurs. So um, building off of that eligibility piece, uh, Phelps, I wanted to ask kind of once someone is eligible, what would the process look like for them to um, receive these services? If you could just kind of outline that for folks. Sure. Uh they, they, uh, the first step, of course, would be to, to contact us, and you've already given uh, the website address. We also have a, a toll-free number that they can call. It's 1-844-LAW-GROW, L-A-W-G-R-O-W. And they can also reach us by email if, if they're more comfortable with that. It's legalfoodhub at clf.org. And once they reach out to us, um, uh, they'll be in touch with um, a coordinator here at the Legal Food Hub who will uh, get to know a little bit more about their case. Um, we don't provide the, the legal assistance here, so we, we, don't, um, we don't want too many specifics, but we need enough to, to try and match that person or, or that, that, that company farm with, uh, with a, an attorney in our, our network so that we can leverage um, the experience of the, the attorney that, that might help them and so that we can identify what the needs are and match them with an attorney. And then um, we'll approach the attorney about this potential case, uh, see if they're available, see if they have the time and, and, the, um, and the ability to do it. And then if all those things line up, then we'll match the, the farmer or food entrepreneur with that attorney and from there, it becomes an attorney-client relationship between the network attorney and and the farmer or food entrepreneur. And we're we're available um, as, as a resource. Although typically, once the relationship kicks off, we we are not involved in the case itself um, until it closes, and 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 we we wrap it up and 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 move move forward. But um, we will hand it off to the. Uh, to the network attorney who will, who will deal with the case and, and provide the representation. And again, that representation is all free. So, so um, CLF will help make that connection. And then exactly. once that connection is made, it's up to yep. the, the farmer uh, and the attorney to take it from there. Exactly. And, and, and the, you know, the attorney, um, uh, you know, the attorney w- and the, and the farmer will then have an attorney client relationship with, with all the, the uh, confidentiality and privileges that that um, attach to that relationship, typically, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly the attorney will um, will be in in communication as needed with with the farmer or food entrepreneur and be available for consultation with his or her client uh, th- throughout the representation. Now that may be a short representation if it's um, helping with an entity formation that that um, typically doesn't take that long. Um, Sometimes, if there's a there's a litigation matter which um, which do arise from time to time, um, 
that that can the representation can be longer, but um, but the attorney will be there uh, throughout throughout the process. Right. So I can just speak to that from yes. from the from the practitioner's perspective, and that is the uh, the process is actually pretty uh, seamless from my perspective, mm-hmm. or at least from my from my vantage point. Uh, whenever seal whenever the the Legal Food Hub has made a referral, uh, they will first contact me and say, and, and typically it's been in the form of just a phone call and say, hey, Beth, we've got someone we think might be a good match for you. This is what their issue is. You know, they're dealing with, for example, a lease. They're, they're trying to figure out whether a farm lease and what the terms might be for them, mm-hmm. if this might um, would this be something you could work with them on? And so they'll just sort of rough out the just some very basic facts about it. Internally in my firm, we will then, of course, have to run a conflict check to make sure there's no conflict in taking on the representation. And then, and then um, the coordinator for the Legal Food Hub will just put share the contact information between me and, and the farmer mm-hmm. in, the, in that example. And then we take it from there. You know, the, the farmer actually does sign an engagement letter with me that says this is the scope of the services I'm going to be providing mm-hmm. and spells out that it, it is pro bono. Uh, if the scope of the work goes beyond that, then we'd have to discuss it and talk about whether we'd be willing to continue the relationship. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I have had uh, referrals from the Legal Food Hub who have wanted to continue to work with me and work on other matters. They want to space it out. They're not real crazy, but <laughs> serially dealing with legal issues. They'd yeah. much rather be growing their crops and raising their, their animals. But, okay. uh, but it's, Yeah, it's, that's right. And, and there, we have had uh, repeat uh, placements, and there, there's really um, no theoretically no limit on, on the number of cases that, that uh, you could be eligible for, and hopefully you don't need legal assistance more than once or twice, but it's, it's there. So it is... A certain farmer could come back to you for assistance in another matter, and that Absolutely. that is acceptable. Yes. Okay. Um, well, to get into, I wanted to ask about maybe some of the details of the different services, and um, Beth, I would direct this to you first, and if we have to keep whatever the confidentiality is there, but I think kind of the general outlines of maybe just some examples of what some of those services might look like. Um, with sure. Your discretion. Sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can't talk about any specifics. Uh, I can talk about some general topics. Uh, the it, the uh, work that I have done has ranged from formation of a business formation mm-hmm. for a farmer. So let's say, for example, traditionally farmers have a uh, have operated uh, their business just as if they have no formal business entity. Mm-hmm. Um, in which they operate. So it might be a farmer who recognizes that there's some advantage to having a business entity. So we'll talk about whether it should be a corporation, a limited liability company, a partnership, depends on the number of people involved. Maybe it's going to be a co-op. So we'll, we'll talk about what that might be. Okay. So that's one example of uh, a legal issue that a farmer might be interested in pursuing. With a lawyer, there I use the lease as another example. Uh, farm succession is another big topic right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Mafka has been looking at this a lot and talking about this a lot as well. Yeah, uh, we have a generation of farmers 
who some of whom are are really ready to retire and <laughs> they may not have offspring who want to step into their shoes and, mm-hmm. and the mantle of the hard work of of being a farmer so how to take that asset that huge asset of the farmer and transfer that mm-hmm. so that's another legal yeah. uh, issue that we will frequently okay. see yeah and i think that i will reference our Common Ground Radio show from last month where we talked about land access issues with uh, folks from Maine Farmland Trust and Land for Good. And in our discussions before the show, it seems like you folks all know each other yes, and are we aware do. of each other. <laughs> so there's plenty of overlap and um, doesn't seem to be any shortage of, of need. Right. 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 That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. Th- th- and just to jump in yeah. real quick, uh, th- those are definitely some of the, the more common uh, legal issues that, that are... Um, Brought to the to the legal food hub. Um, others include um, uh, local uh, companies that are interested in protecting their their trademarks. Um, also, uh, especially farmers who have uh, questions about uh, labor and employment laws, um, including um, the state and federal laws concerning minimum wage uh, and overtime uh, requirements and issues relating to. Um, the requirements for taking on interns and or apprentices and and other things like that. Okay. All right. Um, Well, I thought next after just that kind of piece on the services, maybe we could speak a little bit about um, the different educational opportunities, which I know that through the legalfoodhub.org website, um, there is a list kind of a calendar of workshops and trainings in Massachusetts and in Maine. Um, and we will, I think this will probably lead into some of the activities that are occurring at the agricultural trade show in Augusta next week. Um, but Phelps, would you be able to just speak a little bit about some of these educational opportunities and, um, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so as I mentioned at the, at the outset, um, we try to provide, um, educational opportunities, both for attorneys in our network, but also farmers and and food entrepreneurs. Uh, in terms of uh, attorney education, um, we um, reach out and provide um, what are called continuing legal education uh, seminars uh, for attorneys so that um, they can learn more and, and be kept up to date about legal issues that, that uh, would pertain to farmers or, or food entrepreneurs and so that our network uh, stays informed. And um, But but turning... Um, uh, to to farmers, um, we have a lot of programming that we try and provide there, and I'll, I'll get to the trade show in just a moment. Um, uh, we just finished um, a series of uh, um, presentations um, with other panelists at uh, University of Maine's Cooperative Extension, where um, um, beginning or or nearly beginning farmers were coming in and and hearing from all sorts of uh, regulators and and other experts on on issues, uh, legal and otherwise, that, that pertain to them. And so we presented um, our services to, to farmers there. And um, uh, most pertinent, I think, to, to this program is um, our programming uh, next week at the Maine Ag- Agricultural Trade Show, uh, which runs, um, as, as I'm sure most folks know, uh, next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, January 10th through 12th. On the 11th and 12th, we offer two days of uh, programming on a, on a variety of topics that will be of interest to, to farmers or, or food entrepreneurs.
lawyers and, and other experts to, to talk on, on a number of topics. And I'll, um, I, I know Beth, in fact, will be one of our panelists, but generally speaking, we have um, um, roundtable discussions um, scheduled on topics including risk management, um, labor and employment, uh, taxes, uh, and um, uh, also land issues, so some of the issues that, that Beth was talking about. And I'll, I'll let her perhaps speak a little bit more about what she expects to, to present next week. Oh, sure. Thanks, Phelps. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we this is, uh, let me just preface this by saying this is the second year that the the uh, Legal Food Hub has been involved in running some workshops at the Maine Agricultural Trades Show. And it's been a really wonderful opportunity, both for the Legal Food Hub, but also, f- I think, for the farmers. I've spent, I spent a lot of time last year at the, at the Maine Ag Trade Show, uh, and in fact, the year before, um, and had a chance to chat with a lot of farmers. The, the workshops that CLF started, Legal Food Hub started uh, last year, were much more, uh, as I think I said at the beginning of the program, much more of a sort of lecture kind of format. Mm -hmm. This year, what's really exciting, I think, about it is it's a really interactive workshop situation, more of a a roundtable, an opportunity to really interact with folks who are there, who want to talk about Mm -hmm. um, their farm, their farm experience, what specific issues they are having. Again, it's not going to be an opportunity for someone to get direct legal advice, but there's a lot that can be shared. Mm -hmm. As I know, Mofka does a lot of that kind of education programming, um, like the Farmer to Farmer Conference. So yes. it's it's a little bit more like that format where there's an opportunity to be very interactive and, and enter into discussions. Okay. So I expect or I hope that we're going to talk a lot about land access. We're going to talk about um, how you can have um, different kinds of leases, how you can have different kinds of structures that enable people to um, you can have an owner of the land, but you can have a tenant, and there's there's a lot of different ways you can do that yeah. and make it work successfully. Yeah, successfully seems like the key word. Yes. <laughs> so um, at the trade show next week, uh, uh, I just wanted to ask if there you have multiple presentations going on where different topics will be covered exactly in kind of that roundtable yep. fashion. Exactly. Yep. So so the topic that I'll be talking about is Thursday morning. And I think the time is some some uh, Phelps. Do you have the information right in front of you, perhaps? Yes, I, I think you'll be uh, speaking at nine o'clock on Thursday morning. Okay. And then the other ones. Do you have a schedule for the other ones? I, I, I do. Um, the other programming. The, our programming starts at nine o'clock on on Wednesday morning with um, some great panelists on risk management. Uh, then in the early afternoon. Uh, one o'clock, we'll be talking about labor and employment issues, and then later in the afternoon at three o'clock on on uh, tax issues that that are important to farmers and food entrepreneurs, and then picking up again on Thursday morning with with Beth and um, and her her panel on on sort of, um, land related issues, and then we'll have another uh, labor and employment panel at twelve thirty on Thursday. Right, and you mentioned before, CJ the other organizations 
Land for Good mm-hmm. and Maine Farmland Trust. So we we frequently do a lot of partnering. So, for example, the panel and discussion group that I'll be a part of Thursday morning involves Joe Barrett from Land for Good. Mm-hmm. So you will see repeat names and repeat faces. <laughs> yeah, similar faces. Yes. Okay. And um, since we're speaking about the trade show, I'll just give out some information that we are talking about the Maine Agricultural Trade Show which runs next week from January 10th to the 12th and is at the Augusta Civic Center. And um, you can find the full listing of the three days for all the various things that are going on uh, through the main.gov website, which might be a little bit challenging to navigate, but also through uh, the MOFGA website, which is mofga.org. Uh, you will be able to find a link to the events at the trade show. And typically Tuesday is a full MOFCA day of uh, pre- educational presentations as well as MOFCA's annual meeting, which is held at 1.30 on Tuesday the 10th in the Piscataquist Sagadahawk room uh, for members to attend. So um, more information can easily be found online uh, or through the MOFCA.org website. So at this point, I just wanted to remind listeners that this is Common Ground Radio, and today we are talking with uh, Beth Pepley and Phelps Turner from the Maine Legal Food Hub about the uh, services that the food, uh, the Legal Food Hub provides for farmers and food entrepreneurs here in Maine, as well as uh, a couple other New England states. And at this time, I would like to be able to open up the phone lines for any listeners to call in with comments uh, or questions that you may have about our topic today. And that toll-free call-in number is 1-866-625-9378. And I'll say it again, 866-625-9378. And we welcome any uh, questions or comments. So moving forward, I just had a question, Phillips, kind of back to your introduction about activities in Maine and Massachusetts and Rhode Island. Um, And I'm just curious within that broader scope, are you seeing similar issues or is the Legal Food Hub seeing similar issues in those states or is there some variation or unique circumstances to Maine? Uh uh, that's a great question. So far, um, we're seeing mostly similar issues um, that are that are quite common, and, and things that we've we've um, already discussed here this morning, in particular, uh, um, business related issues like entity formation, land related issues, especially um, leasing and purchasing, but also uh, succession planning uh, for for farmers, and and that is. Um, that those things keep popping up uh, in all three of these states. Now, as we um, expand the program into other states, uh, perhaps new new issues will arise. And certainly, it's our our aim to uh, also be not just expanding the, the the geographic area, but the network that we have of attorneys, so that we can provide uh, services on a range of issues. Um, like the ones we've discussed or new ones that that may come up um, down the road, either uh, new issues in uh, these three states or new issues in the new states. Um, For instance, um, a a new federal statute called the Food Safety Modernization Act um, has come up and will be 
uh, impacting farmers and and food entrepreneurs in in the years to come, and we we fully expect to have uh, attorneys in our network um, uh, ready and and able to to provide legal assistance on on issues related to, to that. Um, another issue that we haven't had a case about yet, but perhaps will will start to come up is um, related to uh, renewable energy. Um, for and and, uh, and I guess an example of that would be. Um, Farmers um, who are interested in perhaps uh, placing solar panels um, or solar arrays um, on some or all of their farmland, um, and and certainly we want to be able to provide um, services related to that as well. So, so to uh, to go back to your question, so far we're seeing similar issues, but we're we're ready and, and expecting um, uh, new issues to pop up. So that probably doesn't come as a huge surprise to you, CJ. Yeah, you're you're, you're familiar with the Northeast and sort of the the <clears throat> diversification in the farming world mm-hmm. uh, over the last fifteen years. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? Sure. Uh, and seeing more and more small farmers who are not going into just strictly a dairy farm, for example, mm-hmm. but rather really doing a diversified approach mm-hmm. to their farming. Um, so I think it's not unusual that. Uh, Phelps and and the legal um, food hub has not seen a huge diversity of legal questions coming to them yet, mm-hmm. uh, given the geographic area that we're in. Yeah. Um, in my practice, in my experience, in doing this kind of work, I have traveled to conventions in different places and and talked with other people practicing farm and food law in other parts of the country, and there is a real difference. You know, if you get into the Midwest, there's a very, very different approach to farming. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm sure you're aware of that, as most of most everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, and then I guess I wanted to ask, I had a question in terms of uh, the attorneys that are part of the network. And maybe there's someone listening that would want to get involved. Uh I imagine that maybe there's a, a different type of process to get to get a new attor- attorney on board, and I believe I had read that there were maybe a hundred or more uh, volu- attorneys willing to volunteer their time in the overall yeah. network. Yeah, that, that's right. And and um, I'll, I'll um, you know perhaps Beth can add add something about her personal experience. But yeah, there is a process for for onboarding new attorneys, but we're always looking. Uh, for um, attorneys that we can add to our network, obviously you need to be willing to provide um, time uh, on a pro bono basis. Um, but certainly there's uh, flexibility so that if you do call us and and we do decide to, to bring you on to the into the network, that um, just because we call you with a potential case doesn't mean you have to take that case. Um, you're certainly free to decline it based on your schedule or whatever it might be, but we are always looking to expand the network um, and um, and in particular in in some of the the um, less populated parts of of all of our states in fact um, you know a lot of our network attorneys are naturally based in some of the more populated areas so we are always looking and and if you go to the, the website legalfoodhub.org um, org you will see um, a place for for existing attorneys, but also for new attorneys and, and, the, and the process. 
Right. I don't know how much I could add to that because I was one of the first in Maine. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> sure. You know, Fair enough. It was kind of one of those right place, right time. And I had met Ben Tettelbaum, who actually got the program launched in Maine yeah. through another attorney at Conservation Law Foundation who I had worked with. I'd worked with Conservation Law Foundation in a couple of different situations before through my okay. private practice. So I, I knew them. I was familiar with their attorneys. Mm-hmm. And, and let, let me – oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Good. No, that's right, Phelps. Go ahead. Jump let, in. Let me just add um, that, that um, uh, like the income eligibility criteria, I, I, typically if, if an, an attorney approaches us um, and they have an interest in a skill set, in, in this area, um, they they will typically be um, added to the to the network. Right in the skill set. I, I just want yeah. to make <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure absolutely. people understand. Yeah. This isn't just about yeah. you know uh, a lawyer is a lawyer is a lawyer, right? Yes, it, exactly. And we and as as I mentioned, as part of the placement process, we uh, one of our top priorities is to match somebody who who has the the appropriate skill set for the legal issue that needs to be addressed and. And the um, I, I think um, I also mentioned that typically we, we aim to have um, the, the the attorneys are not just volunteers but they're experienced volunteers so that they can leverage that experience and their skill sets to the legal issue that needs to be addressed so that typically it's not um, uh, you know a, a young uh, lawyer that's only been licensed for a short period of time with with little experience it's it's somebody that can bring a skill set to, to the problem to the legal problem um, and address it. Right, and there's there's uh, part of the reason for that. I think is not only do you want to make sure that the farmer or the food producer is getting the right fit mm-hmm. with the the right lawyer, but it also wants to be efficient for everybody involved. The farmer really doesn't want to have to devote a lot of time to whatever this e- issue is that they've come to the legal food hub to talk about. I'm sure, uh, or to get legal services for, and. Uh, by the same token, lawyers are busy, especially private practitioners, so they don't have a huge amount of time to devote, but they want to give back and they want to give in a way that's meaningful. But efficiency for both mm-hmm. parties, I think, is also part of the key. Definitely, definitely. And when when the work is happening, is there um, – I'm curious, is there – kind of one-on-one FaceTime involved with that in person, or is a lot of time things can just be handled over the phone? Yeah, that's a great question. And in my experience with, with the referrals that I've taken, I've had uh, kind of the extremes. I've had a face-to-face initial meeting because that's what the client wanted. Yes. And from then on, we were able to communicate by phone and by email and that sort of thing. Um, I've also had clients who I was engaged to represent initially and we never came in contact face to face until we happened to be at I think it was the farmer to farmer conference mm-hmm. and it was you know, it was geographic distance yep. that kept us apart but we also found that the modes of communication of telephone and email and yes. and that sort of thing was perfectly efficient to get the work done yeah okay. and, and I'll just add that that's very typical of, of you know of most cases outside of the legal food hub as well I mean right. often there will be a face-to-face initially with with an attorney's client but um, for for efficiency's sake typically uh, communications after that are, are by phone or by email um, and um, and that that's just a, a more efficient way of doing it yeah but that said it's interesting sometimes I have found it's particularly helpful when it's a land issue yes to go to the farm or yes. go to the land and see it firsthand 
it, it, there is nothing, you can't duplicate that. <laughs> I mean, surveys and plans and all of the rest of that are one thing, but actually going and walking the land yes. is sometimes the key to... Pretty valuable. To, yes. Yeah, okay. To finding the right solution for the client. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's... Just take a second to remind listeners, this is Common Ground Radio. We are talking about the main legal food hub and the services they provide for farmers and uh, food entrepreneurs here in Maine and as well as Massachusetts and Rhode Island, but focusing on Maine. And the call-in number, if you have any comments or questions, is 1-866-625-9378. So we are getting into kind of the last quarter, last 15 minutes of the show, and um, I was curious if we could, I know we need to be kind of, uh, general here, but in terms of just some of the services or examples, I'm just trying to think of a listener who may not be sure on the fence, is my issue helpful? Um, something along those lines, some other kind of examples beyond the land use, um, or f- legal business formation pieces. Sure. Well, I think, uh, one question that sometimes comes up is someone picks a name for their farm. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, I really like this name. And so they proceed. They open their farm. They're they're operating. But they haven't trademarked that name or they haven't protected the name in any way. Mm-hmm. And so that might be one uh, example of where calling the legal food hub could help them get some guidance in how to protect their name. Especially if it's becoming, you know, known, they want to they want to use it as a logo. Mm-hmm. That's where the legal food hub can be very helpful. Matching them mm-hmm. with an attorney who knows trade name and trademark. Okay, a- absolutely. And on that note, it, this hasn't um, come up in, in Maine, but in another state, it's come up where somebody picks a name and and the the uh, the other side of that that. The trademark coin uh, com- comes up, and and it happens that somebody else is using that name in another state, and has approached the the, the farmer or food entrepreneur about a potential violation of a trademark, and working through through issues that might come up with say a cease and desist order or something like that from from an entity that's coming out of state. Okay, so it doesn't just stay within the bounds of the geographic bounds of Maine, but well, the issues. Well, the, could... the 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 clients we are, should should um, yeah yeah. Just let me clarify the 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 clients would be based in the client would be based in Maine or Massachusetts, but perhaps um, a similar company in Texas is mm-hmm. using the name and was using the name. You um, you uh, when you started your uh, um, food entrepreneur company and you were making some sort of value added product jams or jellies or whatever, and you started using a name without knowing that uh, somebody in Texas was using that name. So that's where where a sort of an out-of-state um, issue would arise. So that's one example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another example, um, aside from business entity, um, you might have, I think that employment is a huge issue. I think people uh, are now... Um, seeing more and more the regulatory structure coming in mm-hmm. and um, far, there was a about a year ago there were about 20 farmers in Vermont who the Department of Labor came down on because of what they cited as violations mm-hmm. of labor and employment law and that is um, let's let's try and come up with a concrete example so let's I had a farmer that I was talking to 
again, I think it was at the Farmer to Farmer conference a couple of years ago, who said, well, you know, I have, um, in, I, I, have, I have an intern who comes and lives there and I provide food and I provide the clothing and transportation, and, you know, and they work in the housing uh, and they work for me. You know, can I have them go and sell my wares at the farmer's market? Mm-hmm. You know, does that, is that becoming a different employment um, arrangement? So th- those are concrete examples of things that people should think about mm-hmm. uh, in terms of whether or not they may be violating the imp- the labor laws. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That labor and employment is, is definitely a, a big area. And and we were talking earlier about um, farmers that start up, and perhaps in, in, if they become successful in the in the following two, three, four years, and as they grow, they they may sort of start to grow out of exemptions from certain minimum wage uh, requirements or overtime requirements um, that a, a very small company wouldn't be um, obligated to to satisfy. But as you get um, as you reach certain income brackets and and uh, other other things, um, th- those exemptions perhaps start to disappear, and 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 sometimes you. Um, could use a lawyer to navigate those those issues. And sometimes it's navigating. Sometimes it's just learning, looking ahead, mm-hmm. making Absolutely. sure you, you don't, you know, stumble across that accidentally and find yourself in trouble. It's knowing before you may make the decision to move to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be like one of the key educational pieces with maybe a younger or new farmer or young couple starting out thinking that their scale will be a certain size, but then realizing that they're going to grow over time and what might they bump into that they had not thought of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And I'm assuming that educationally next week at the trade show, that's the forum where a lot of these things, a lot of these topics can be explored for uh, any farmers or food entrepreneurs that are interested. Yes. And curious about what they may come into. Yes. Okay. Um, and we have about 10 minutes left. If any listeners would like to call in with a comment or question, the number is one 625 9378 And we are talking about uh, the main legal food hub here today. Um, so I think just in kind of the last chunk of the show, um, I just wanted to give each of you, uh, Phillips, I would ask you first if there was just any other information you wanted to be able to share with any listeners um, out there, anything that we hadn't covered yet that um, that you would see of, of importance or uh, educational for any listeners, just kind of give you that space if you had something on your mind. Okay, I, I appreciate that. I, I think we've covered um, most of it. We, uh, like I said, we, we will be um, providing programming at the, at the Ag uh, trade show next week. Um, I know there's there's a, a lot of programming there. We, we also have... Um, uh, we'll have an information booth there, booth number 68 on the main floor, and we would love to, um, to have folks stop by and, um, and say hi, learn, learn a bit more about the, the program, and perhaps, uh, perhaps pick up some, some information, um, a pamphlet or, or a booklet. Um, and I, I think we've covered everything um, that I wanted um, to, to chat about today. I, I guess I would just uh, reiterate the the contact info um, that we've sort of provided throughout the show. Uh, our, our website is www.legalfoodhub.org. Uh, our email is legalfoodhub at CLF 
org, and our 800 toll, toll free number is 1 844 Law Grow, L A W G R O W. And um, just as a closing statement, I guess, and, and I'm um, sure um, Beth, Beth might have something to add, we're, um, we're, we're always happy to hear from from farmers or food entrepreneurs who think they, that they might have a legal issue and we'll certainly try and place them. And we're, we're also looking to expand our attorney network as well throughout, throughout the state and would love to hear from um, any attorneys who have the, the willingness and, and the, and the skill set to, to offer to potential clients. And then just so um, for the your booth at the trade show, yes. um, I imagine you'll have a booth that is staffed throughout Throughout the days, as yeah, well as the programming yeah, thank you. that's going um, thank, Thanks for asking. We we will uh, we will have um, a booth all three days uh, for all for the entire day. Uh, we'll be there all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, and all day Thursday. Even while the programming is going on, um, we'll have people at the booth um, uh, ready to to speak to anybody who stops by. Okay, uh, but yeah. we'll also be running. On Wednesday and Thursday, um, the programming as well um, in in some of the the rooms that are adjacent to to the um, the main hall. And while we're talking about that, I I just think it would also be helpful because I'm not the only vo- volunteer lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phelps, could you just run down the other folks who are going to be participating on some absolutely. of the panels? That would be I think that would be helpful for folks to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll just go chronologically on Wednesday morning. Like I said, we're going to have a panel about risk management, and we're going to hear from uh, three different people. Um, Aaron Roche from University of Maine Cooperative Extension is going to speak about crop insurance. Um, also with her will be Sandy Truslow from the United States Department of Agriculture. She'll be speaking about non-insured uh, crop assistance programs from, from the federal government. And we'll also be hearing from Linda Titus from Ag Matters, and she'll be speaking uh, about this new uh, federal statute that I mentioned, the FISMA, Food Safety Modernization Act. Um, And so we'll be hearing from all three of those folks um, about risk uh, and and insurance-related matters. Um, Later on in the day at our labor and employment panel, Starting at, um, in, in the afternoon at 1 o'clock, we'll be hearing from Tom Trenholm. He's an experienced um, uh, employment lawyer here in Portland at the firm of Drummond Woodsum. And uh, he's uh, not only an experienced attorney, but also an experienced panelist and is uh, well-versed in, in all um, of these sort of uh, labor and employment issues that might pertain to a farmer or food entrepreneur. And... Then later on Wednesday, we'll have a, a panel about tax issues that uh, farmers or food entrepreneurs might face, and that's going to be um, uh, the presenter there will be Kevin Haley from Brand and Isaacson, um, the law firm of Brand and Isaacson. Um, and, and again, I, uh, before I jump over to Thursday, I'll just say um, to reiterate what Beth said, um, I'm, I'm saying panels, but, but really the, the idea this year is to, to have these be more roundtable discussions where yeah. the, the, the attendees will, will – we're looking for a, a dialogue. And, um, and even though 
certainly the the folks that we have presenting um, or, or leading this, the discussion won't be able to provide um, advice specific to an individual case or an individual person. Um, they'll have lots of information available, and and we we fully expect a, a good discussion on all these all these topics. And I know from hearing most of these panelists previously that the, that they they enjoy engaging with the audience and um, and are really able to provide a lot of good information. Um, on these topics. Okay. And then on, on Thursday morning, um, as Beth mentioned, she and, and um, uh, Joe Barrett from Land for Good will be discussing uh, land-related issues such as leasing, purchasing, uh, farm succession, and that sort of thing. Um, and then later in the day, in the, in the early afternoon from, from 12.30 to 1.30, uh, we're going to have another labor and employment um, discussion and that's going to be led by Tony Alvarez from the law firm of Veral Dana here in Portland. So that's a, a very brief overview of um, the panels and, and who will be speaking. Okay. Or, or leading the, the leading the discussion, me, the roundtable discussion. discussions. Yes. 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 Okay. Exactly. Well, we just have um, we just have a minute or two left here on the show, so. I just wanted to remind folks that they've been listening to Common Ground Radio, brought to you uh, the first Friday of every month here on WERU. And today we have been talking about the main legal main legal food hub. More information can be found at legalfoodhub.org. And our guests today have been Beth Pepley uh, and Phelps Turner, both part of the main legal food hub. Again, remember a lot of this information will be available extensively uh, next week in Augusta at the Civic Center at the uh, Ag Trade Show and um, definitely more educational opportunities there on this topic area. So uh, thank you for listening to us today. Remember this uh, Common Ground Radio is the first Friday of every month and stay tuned for On the Wing and thank you for listening. Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member-supported, non-profit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing